The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Weekends are better when you spend it with us. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to Weekends. This is hour three of four, and this hour promises to be a blockbuster. And once again, somehow there's a bit of a challenge. One of my guests has been caught in a little bit of an electric um, blackout, and we're going to have him on the phone. So you won't see his picture, but you will see my other guest this hour. So what I'm going to do now is introduce both gentlemen, and we're going to get into one of the biggest topics of our time, and that is the truth about what happened on 9-11. It's extraordinary that here we are some 22 and a bit years on and we still are no further down the track to getting answers to the myriad of questions that we need to be told. And yet the only way that we're going to do it is to continue looking at this story, digging deeper and asking questions. And so that when that time comes, that when there is a willing participant in power, we will be able to demand for a proper inquiry and get to the truth of what really happened on that day who really was pulling the strings, and what was the reason that this was done. Of course, many of us have got long, hard research and looked at many things and have strong suspicions about what's going on, but it doesn't really mean much until we have official narratives being changed and those culprits being held to account, even if those culprits do hold positions of power. It is entirely unacceptable, and nobody, they tell us, is above the law, and yet it seems that so many are. And so my guests this hour include Captain Dan Hanley. He's a retired United Airlines pilot and the director of 9-11 Pilot Whistleblowers at the website 911pilots.org. Their mission is to show how the planes of 9-11 were not controlled excuse me, by Muslim hijackers, but were instead hijacked electronically by the uninterruptible autopilot system, which lets a remote source take control of an aircraft's autopilot and flight management computer and take the plane wherever the remote controllers would like. Once engaged, the system cannot be disconnected by pilots on the plane. A wealth of evidence supports these allegations. 9-11 pilot whistleblowers demands a criminal investigation by the US Department of Justice to bring those responsible for the attacks of 9 11 to justice. Now, that is Captain Dan. He will be on the phone, but you will see on pictures is my other guest this hour. And here is Captain Doug Green. He is an aviation industry expert with over 44 years experience, a former Federal Aviation Administration air traffic controller with over 20,000 hours of flight time. He's flown 12 different military and commercial aircraft, DC-8s, B-747s in the 100, 200 and 400 series, B-757, 767, 777 MD-11s. He's also Aircraft Accident Investigation School, Federal Flight Deck Officer, Federal Law Enforcement, trained and qualified for over eight years. Captain Doug and Captain Dan, welcome to Weekends and thank you for your time today. Good morning, Jason. Jason. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you very much. And I know this is going to be a little bit confusing for our, our viewers and our listeners, but um, uh, it's a delight to have both gentlemen on on today. And it's unbelievable when I read your bios and realise just how many hours you've had in the skies. It's almost like if, if what you gentlemen don't know is not worth knowing, and yet what you know yourselves and understand goes at odds with official narratives. What I wanted to do, if I can ask, if I can start perhaps with um, with with Captain Doug, can you recall where you were on that fateful day some twenty two years ago, and how it occurred to you what was going on? 
Well, actually, I, I can. I was uh, I was flying a 747 from the East Coast to uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, we were over the Yukon, and uh, I was tuning through some uh, uh, NDB stations, non-directional beacon, beacon stations, and I actually hit a, a radio frequency. And when I and when I heard it, it sounded like a news story, but it almost sounded like an Orson Welles, you know, narrative. And and I was just shocked at what I heard. And then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, we were ordered by air traffic control. Uh, they made a, a an announcement to all the aircraft on the frequency that uh, aircraft should plan to land at the closest suitable airport. And in our case, it was our destination. Quite incredible uh, that you're actually working on the day of, of the most significant uh disaster in, in US history. And there you are right in the thick of it, wondering what's going on. I'm going to just quickly cross Captain Dan, where were you on 9-11-2001? Uh, yeah, uh, I was in uh, Newark. I was taken to go to London that night and I'd gotten in the night before uh, barely because there were thunderstorms in the area, which explained why it was so clear that day. But uh, I actually slept through the event. I didn't wake up till maybe after 11 and wasn't even aware of what happened until I couldn't get an outside line because I couldn't figure out why. I tried the house phone, I tried my cell phone, and I couldn't get out. Finally, I did uh, to my now ex-wife, and uh, I thought something had happened to my kids because uh, uh, I had a bunch of voicemails, and it's horrible, it's horrible, please call me. And I thought, what happened, you know? So the first thing I said to my, my wife was, uh, is it the kids? And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, did something happen to the kids? And she goes, you don't know. I said, no, what? And she, she tells me, you know, the two planes hit the Twin Towers and they collapsed. And then one hit the Pentagon and the United flight went down in Pennsylvania. And I was like dumbfounded. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where I was. It's kind of a long day because I wound up going over to the airport seeing if I could help out because United 93 had departed from New York and uh, Spent the day wound up catching a train home to Atlanta that night where I lived. It's just uh, quite uh, unbelievable, isn't it, that it's one of these events uh, that everyone remembers. Uh, it, it just you think back it's no different to i guess when um jfk was w w was shot if the people were alive to to hear or uh live through that event um it was uh, what i wanted to actually mention was that one of my guests on last week's show was a lady called kathy o'brien uh, and the reason i want to bring this up is that um she um suffered from um uh being put into an mk ultra uh, mind control program that the government had operated and she was one of the few survivors that, although they've met it's happened to many people that actually got out the reason that i bring that up is that she explained uh in 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 uh in her life uh that her former husband and rescuer a gentleman by the name of mark phillips a former intelligence insider said don't be negative don't talk negative on a subject without a solution and that's one of the reasons why she is very um uh, positive in the way that she sees the world. But the reason that I, I bring that up was that she related it back to her personal trauma, but she compared it to the, the, the trauma that affected an entire country in the assassination of JFK and also what of the events of 9-11 that she specifically refers to. And it's this trauma. She says it's the reason why we all remember these particular days. And it's very, very clear that we have such perfect recollections of this particular event. And, and so therefore, 
if if one event can be perhaps orchestrated, then another one is um, is nine eleven. We just don't have the answers, uh, Doug. If I can ask you, when was it in these series of events that you started to question what you were being told? Was it quickly, or did it take some time before you started saying this just doesn't make sense to me? Well, you know, initially uh, the false narrative. They did a pretty good job of presenting this false flag. And it took me, you know, probably a couple months where I really started to raise questions after we heard more of details of the false narrative and the pieces of the puzzle just didn't fit. Now, when you consider when you say pieces of the puzzle doesn't fit, we we get down this pathway like for mine, I mean, I just followed along. I was traumatized like everyone else. It wasn't for for years later before I saw a, a documentary film that started to put things into question, and all of a sudden, I, I just snapped out of this uh, this particular coma. What were some of the things that you saw that, that that concerned you? Was it was it perhaps the collapse of World Trade Center Seven that you thought that doesn't add up, or was it more concerned around? Um, uh, airline procedure, for example, that you thought, no, this is not possible, that these manoeuvres, for example, that these uh, apparent hijackers were able to pull off just weren't feasible? Well, you know, that's a great question, Jason, because actually the first thing that came to mind that made me very suspicious is allegedly uh, all aircraft were supposed to have been grounded. But at the time, I was working for a very uh, large uh, corporation called the United Parcel Service, who has an enormous amount of influence with our government. And uh, unbeknownst to me, um, I thought we were supposed to be grounded, but the very next day uh, we were directed to, uh, after we landed that the day of 9-11, the very next day we were launched to uh, Narita, Japan in Tokyo. And I thought to myself, how can this be possible? How is it that they're able to, to, to have an airplane operate from Anchorage, Alaska to Tokyo, supposedly when there's such a threat to our country at the moment. So that, that was one of the things that really started to make me question. And then, of course, as we saw more of the alleged facts of the narrative that really weren't facts, uh, and I thought about the capabilities of the aircraft and the alleged hijackers, uh, their inexperience was such that I thought this is impossible. I mean, even myself at the time, I was a first officer. Now I've been a captain for a number of years. But um, at the time, I thought to myself, you know, even with my experience in advanced aircraft, there's no way we could pull off a maneuver like that. When you consider the high rate of speed of the airplane, now you'd practically be, you know, you'd be overging the airplane and you'd almost be going supersonic at that altitude at those speeds and rivets probably would be popping out of the airframe. Uh, now, it wasn't until years later that I actually became aware of World Trade Center 7. And uh, and I actually talked to a lot of my colleagues um, almost every day. And I'll be flying, you know, as soon as I end this conversation, with you, I'll be going to the airport. And I, I talked to them all the time. And I asked them, um, I said, well, how many buildings fell in uh, New York City that day? And, and just about every single one of them focuses on, on the buzz phrase, the false narrative buzz phrase, the Twin Towers. And I must admit, I was guilty of a lack of awareness for quite some time about World Trade Center, World Trade Center 7 myself. But uh, after watching World Trade Center uh, fall the way it did, it, it was so obvious, you know, I mean, even a fifth grader would conclude that this was, you know, uh, controlled demolition. And the fact that, you know, the building fell eight hours later, it's 
it's apparent to me, I mean, we can't prove it, but it's apparent to me that the airplanes were just a distraction to, to sustain the false narrative and United 93 was intended uh, to hit World Trade Center 7, but it never made it to its target. And, and, and I think there's more than enough evidence out there that shows uh, the influence and the players involved to include Larry Silverstein and his colleague uh, that had purchased those properties and that in the elevator company, a contracted uh, Israeli co a company that had ties to Israel that actually had worked in all three buildings and working on the elevators for quite some time. And so it's su suspected, you know, there's there's not irrefutable proof that they were responsible for, you know, putting controlled ordinance inside the the buildings but but it's very highly suspect and the fact that it dropped eight hours later but what's most amazing to me is how many agencies appeared to know up in front that that building was going to fall even before it fell well this is the thing isn't it because we saw on that bbc famous news coverage that it was announced the building had fallen and yet there it was still standing behind the reporter at the time and you would think that something as glaringly obvious as that would be enough reason for authority to at least be embarrassed enough to investigate but instead they just go completely silent and then what happens now is that you get a, a whole subset of, of of qualified people in the general public that are ignored almost continuously ever since it, it just doesn't make any sense that we we what we saw with our own eyes we're told that is not part of any official narrative uh doug it's interesting isn't it that um that whilst you're a pilot um and and you would start to question um the hijackers etc as part of the work that you're doing but you already have suspicions obvious ones that um that the, the building's falling and what might have been involved in the research that you did there and uh you know I, I it's never occurred to me that that um that flight 93 was headed for world trade center 7 uh astonishing and yet it's it's such an obvious um, piece of information that that you've provided there but then there was the other flight of course that flew well apparently flew into the uh to the pentagon that we've never really been able to get any vision of that except for a single flash frame that has many people seeing just a white sort of dash that looks like it could have been a missile just flown across the land there but um what um, attention did you put on the Pentagon um, on the crash there in, in the research that you've done? Well, actually, I've, I've done quite a bit of research on the uh, Pentagon crash. And uh, and Dan, uh, he's he's very well uh, informed about the, the Pentagon maneuver, the corkscrew maneuver that was actually executed and, and the aircraft flying at such a low altitude uh, it, it would have to be barely touching the blades of the grass with a Boeing 757. I flew the 757 myself. Uh, but but many of the people that were actually interviewed and a lot of the video feeds, the cameras in different areas were pulled and, and they were not privy to the general public. But some of the witnesses, they said they saw the airplane coming in from an entirely di different direction as the false narrative. And uh, and that it appeared that the airplane may have popped up at the last minute and overflown the Pentagon. And, and then but that was distracted by the actual explosion. And there was and there was an EC-130, which is an electronic countermeasures airplane uh, that was actually flying in the area at the time, which is quite suspicious as well. So, you know, it's theoretically possible that that plane, uh, it was a tail swap 
And it, because the color of the airplane was identified by eyewitnesses on the ground to be different than that what was alleged. And some people say that it didn't even appear to be a commercial airline. Uh, the paint scheme was entirely different than what they alleged. And, uh, and so many of the people, you know, were shocked to hear that it actually hit the Pentagon because some people had witnessed what they appeared to be a pop-up at the last minute and overflew. And, but as the, it did this, there, the explosion took place and, uh, and God only knows because there were no aircraft parts of any substance at all, you know, found at the site of the Pentagon. And to penetrate the Pentagon uh, as far as it did, but yet there's no evidence of any jet engines, no airframe parts, you know, the horizontal stabilizer, uh, the wings, uh, no bodies. It, you know, it, it's it's just preposterous to, for anybody to want the general public to believe that, you know, this was um, this could be even possible. I went through aircraft accident investigation school myself. And uh, it, it's just, it's a far-fetched story. Uh, and, and, you know, we were born at night, but not last night, especially those of us that are experts and have flown airplanes for as many years as we have. Goodness me, it is just a story that just keeps going and we see two distinctly different narratives. And it just says to us that how can you possibly trust authority when it rejects so many questions and doesn't even provide or even attempt to make the answers? We're going to take a break. We'll see if we can get Captain Dan sorted out at the other end. And we'll be back with more here on Weekends on TNT. TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travellers from terrorists, hijackers or violent drunks or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. 
These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Weekends. And this hour, we are digging deep into the events of 9-11. Can you believe it's been more than 22 years and we don't seem to be much closer to getting to the bottom of what really happened on that fateful day with so many false narratives being the official narratives. And so it is that there is a website, 911pilots.org. And we are joined today by Captain Dan Hanley and also Captain Doug Green. We've been speaking to Doug before the break. And now what I'm going to do is um, bring Captain Dan back in, who is still on the phone there. And I'm just going to start with a quote from the website that's placed there, a quote from Carl Rove. And it says, we're an empire now. And when we act, we create our own reality. And while you're studying that reality, judiciously, as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities, which you can study too. And that's how things will sort out where history's actors and you, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. Carl Rove, Captain Dan, when you see a, 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 a or read a quote like that, you just have to think that we are being manipulated almost everywhere. It's an astonishing line. Uh, how does that relate to the work that you're doing? Does it prompt you or does it prove that you're on the right track? Uh, excuse me, we're on the right track, uh, Jason. Uh, you were talking about... Uh, not be able to get justice uh, on behalf of 911pilots.org over the past 30 months. Uh, I wrote every level, relevant level and branch of the U.S. government, made phone calls, emails, you name it. They didn't return any phone calls or didn't respond to the emails or letters. Uh, it was our contention that the 911 aircraft were electronically hijacked and remotely controlled. So it was a stonewall at every level until last January, a year ago, I finally was able to talk to a lawyer at the FAA for about a half hour. And in closing, he says, uh, Dan, we don't do criminal investigations, go to the Department of Justice, which we had done several times. So it was running full circle. So the government and the media have been complicit in the cover-up of the crime. And I contend that the U.S. government was actually involved in the planning and execution of a uh, 9-11 and those others who agree with that. Uh, but yeah, that quote by Carl Rove is a uh, tip typifies what's wrong with America right now. They create false narratives and uh, we're still worried about COVID and there may be, well, there was another one. There was October 7th over in uh, the Gaza was another false flag, but uh, they, they keep one step ahead of us and that's part of the problem. Yes. Yes, indeed. Now, um, when we returned to the events of that day, and it was very suspicious, uh, Dick Cheney sort of roadblocking with NORAD. And of course, there was a particular exercise that was supposedly going ahead on that day. And that meant that all of the, the um, supposed services that were meant to interrupt or intercept these particular aircraft were out of action. And you just wonder with such a setup that it's very, very similar to what we saw in, if you compare it to COVID with the idea that we still don't get any closer to the COVID origins. Uh, we still don't really know who the players are, but yet we had this Agenda 201 event that rehearsed the entire thing. It seems that the, that the playbook is very, very similar here.
Can you make comparisons, therefore, Dan? As you, I think, in fact, on your um, on your Twitter page, where you compare JFK, nine eleven, and COVID, do you, do you see this is all part of the same bigger plot? Yes, I, I believe you know we the uh, gullibility of the U.S. public and in the case of nine eleven and COVID, the global population, it's been a test of their gullibility, and when people after the uh, Kennedy assassination fell for the lone gunman, uh, Oswald killed Kennedy, uh, they moved forward. And you could go to the Oklahoma City bombing. You could go to the USS Liberty. You can go to the Gulf of Tonkin, if you're familiar with those different false flag incidents. And uh, leading up to 9-11, that was the granddaddy of them all. And for so long, and there's still people that believe the official story. I post a lot on Twitter and uh, facts that are known to you and me. uh, People come in with retweets and I had no idea that was happening. So there's still too many people out there in the global population falling for the original story. So that's part of the reason we created our organization and why I'm so active on Twitter. No, in, in, indeed, and it becomes a life's work, doesn't it? I, if we can just backtrack for a moment, Dan, when did you become sceptical? Was it was it as early as understanding the JFK assassination or was that something that you may have accepted and then reviewed later on in life and realised that, hang on a second, this is all the same plan? I, I accepted it, but then when I start hearing about uh, the USS Liberty and the Gulf of Tonkin being a false flag, uh, that the USS Maddox was not attacked by torpedo boats in the Gulf of Tonkin that led to the Vietnam War. I was opposed to the Vietnam War anyhow, but uh, that was the icing on the cake. You lost 58,000 U.S. troops and uh, millions of Vietnamese people based on a false flag lie. But uh, I think when I... I learned that is when I lost all faith and trust in the U.S. government. I still, it still hasn't been restored, especially after what I've been through, Doug's been through with 911pilots.org and the stonewall we're getting. It only leads me more to believe that they were involved and they were complicit. I mean, the media obviously has been complicit from day one as far as 9-11 goes. But, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much that uh, – uh, was the eye openers for me? No, indeed. If I can bring uh, Doug in for a moment, Doug, um, do you share the same level of scepticism as Dan does historically at these separate events, or did you arrive differently the way that uh, perhaps Dan has? Well, you know, over the years, um, we were conditioned to believe all these false narratives, but there's more than enough evidence uh, that. Uh, that establishes uh, a conspiracy reality. I mean, the phrase conspiracy theory was coined by the CAA years ago to basically discredit critical thinkers. Uh, But when, you know, you have a theory, but then you have facts to back it up, then that theory becomes a reality. And, uh, and so for me, you know, as, as the collateral damage of nine 11, uh, I, I saw how pilots were starting to be targeted, how they basically destroyed the airline industry. And uh, and so, you know, as as a consequence of some of the actions that I experienced, it made me dig deeper into the system. And the digger I, I the, the digger I, I dug, I found that uh, that the problem we were faced with in the United States is occupation. 
You know, they talk about occupation in Palestine, but the only reason that occupation exists is because the real occupation is in the United States. And and our government regulatory agencies, um, most of our executive branch of government are all occupied by a Zionist regime. And 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 I and I'm not an anti-Semite in any way, shape, or form, because there's some wonderful Jewish people, some that are friends of mine that practice Judaism. But Zionism is a political ideology, and they have conquered our government. It's it's shameful at best, and there is no truth in the United States anymore. Our regulatory agencies don't regulate. Our uh, courts are completely, you know, corrupted by co-opted judges. Uh, there's no honesty. And so because of this occupation in the United States, they've been able to create these false flags. And most people have no idea about how serious this occupation is in our country, in the United States. And I don't even live there anymore. I left the United States. I moved to Germany because I, and I always tell people, they say, where are you from? I say, I'm an American refugee living in Germany because I can't sustain a government that doesn't represent the people. So um, that was summarized, you know, when I started to question these false narratives and I started to dig deeper and I, I really started to study all these events and, you know, you can connect the dots. Yes, indeed. It's just a very, very sad testimony to think that the land of the free and the home of the brave is anything but. Uh, and, and when people look to the United States for guidance, for leadership in the world and uh, are only deceived, and then you wonder how it is that America can somehow correct itself. And that's why I guess many people have been putting their hopes on uh, on a Trump administration and a return of a Trump administration to at the very least be anti-establishment and therefore start asking the questions that weren't allowed to be asked before. Uh, if I can ask both gentlemen, Doug and Dan, when was it that both of you became uh, friendly and were starting to work together in this common interest of 9-11 truth exploration? Dan? Well, Doug, Doug came to me first. Uh, I had been chasing uh, from 2006 to 2012. Uh, I was working with a millionaire gentleman from Chicago, and we were chasing mobbed up judges. And Doug had a legal case that he was involved with and contacted me. And I, I he still has the email I sent him that I said, Doug, give it up. The system's so corrupt you wouldn't believe it. And uh, Doug pressed forward. But now he's a believer, uh, he, as he just uh, mentioned, that the whole legal system is corrupt. But that's I don't remember, Doug. What, what year was that that we first met? Well, actually, uh, I was just pulling that up as was we're talking. Um, you know, just to elaborate slightly, uh, to stall for a second while I pull up the email, um, Dan, Dan and I both were targeted uh, as the collateral damage of 9-11 for enforcing safety and security at our mutual airlines. I formerly worked at United Parcel Services, was unlawfully terminated uh, based on manufactured false statements by pilots with DUIs and pilots that stole thousands of dollars from the company because I dared enforce safety and security. Dan was also targeted by United Airlines and he can elaborate on that. But nonetheless, his his targeting was a result of being vocal about safety concerns after 9-11 and they just wanted to shut both of us up. Safety is not really a concern uh, by the major airlines uh, to protect the flying public. It's actually shameful at best. But uh, Dan and I, we actually met uh, years ago, because uh, I was trying to search out other pilots that had had similar consequences. 
the airline industry as a whole has basically tried to create tactics to create the perfect compliant pilot from abusing substance abuse programs for pilots that have issues, coercing them to lie uh, about other pilots and for safety and security, uh, from targeting pilots to calling sick or fatigued. Uh, it's just a disaster what's going on with the airline industry and the lack of regulatory enforcement by the FAA, at least in the United States. I don't see this in other countries that I've worked and where I'm currently working. Um, but nonetheless, I reached out to Dan. I reached out to um, a couple other guys, uh, Field McConnell that Dan knows. And, uh, and nonetheless, uh, I was just trying to find an advocacy group. And when I reached out to Dan, you know, he basically had told me uh, in his initial response, and I did find it here, it's, uh, it's April of 2016. And he told me, he says, I feel your frustration and betrayal for seven years. I went through the same pain, writing, calling, visiting every relevant politician at Capitol Hill. He said, they're all corrupt to the core and could care less about what happened to you or me. I witnessed it all firsthand. With regard to the blood-sucking lawyers, none of them can be trusted. The court system's rigged against you even before you enter the courtroom. UPS and companies like UPS will hire the best lawyers money can buy and pay off the judges through channels. He said, he said I know that I will never forget or forgive the government and United Airlines or the union. Uh, he says, but it's, if it was my advice, you know, you should probably just take it on the chin and try to move on. And that was, uh, you know, in 2016. And, and I couldn't move on at the time because I was still naive. And I believed that there was honest adjudication because we were conditioned as children to believe in the illusion and the propaganda of life, liberty and justice for all. And this is the land of milk and honey. But it is not. The rights and freedoms that they allege we have yeah. do not exist. And I can and I can vouch for that because after 20 years, in the United States Air Force uh, retired as a highly decorated military officer and used as a tool by the U.S. government to it's under the guise of protecting the rights and freedoms of the American people. When we actually Dan and I tried to exercise those rights and freedoms, we, we couldn't even enter a court of law. I spent over half a million dollars. And these are some of the collateral damages of 9-11. Uh, it, it, there's so many to talk about. The time frame we have in your show isn't enough. You may have to come back. <laughs> Indeed, and uh, and the invitation, of course, is, uh, is is always there, Doug. Just briefly, I just wanted to backtrack. You mentioned the name of Field McConnell, and that was a name that many of us were, were following Field for a, a long time during this period uh, into the Trump presidency, and then he vanished. Um, are you aware of of what happened with Field McConnell at that stage? Yeah, I'm I, I am because some of the details, but I would defer to Dan because Dan and Phil actually have a, a close friendship. Oh, Dan, are you able to fill us in? Yeah. Yeah, let me just tell you how I met Phil. I was illegally terminated at United for speaking out on safety and security issues, and they did it by making me go to a shrink who said I was bipolar, which is a bogus diagnosis, and terminated me for life as a pilot. So I had heard Phil was in the same boat, this is 2006, and I had a large uh, email network at the time. So I went on and said, somebody give me his phone number, and I called him, and he told me he he uh, was reporting un illegal modifications on Boeing aircraft, and they pulled him out of schedule, was gonna make him go see a shrink in LA, and as a field, don't do it, it's a setup. And he wound up retiring early, nine years early, so he could serve as a, uh, expert witness in future litigation, but that, that wasn't your question you asked me. Uh, Field uh, and I 
and a man named David Hawkins worked together for several years and then field drifted off the topic of 9-11 pretty much and start going after child traffic and pedophilia and uh, victims. And it led him to Broward County, Florida, where he claimed a lawyer was involved in, a female lawyer was involved in child trafficking. And uh, long story short, she filed uh, harassment charges against him, uh, cyber stalking, et cetera. And the judge down there uh, ordered him to cease and he inadvertently broke, violated the judge's order. And the judge uh, ordered him extradited to Florida, which I'll make a chart here. They did that. He wound up in jail in Florida for a while, fought it in court for several several months. Finally, they released him back to Plum City, Wisconsin, where he is today. Uh, so he's he's still active. He's got a radio program he's doing with a, a woman named Paul. I can't remember her last name, but he's still out there. But he isn't really that active right now in talking about 9-11. No, indeed, and thank you for that update. Uh, many people were following Phil McConnell. I'm very concerned about what had happened to him. There was that story that you've just filled in there, and, of course, you mentioned that notorious name, Broward County, and you don't really need to say much more for those that have done the research in that area, but I'm delighted to know that he's a free man again and he's out there working. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the final segment with uh, Captain Dan and Captain Doug here on Weekends on TNT. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries. Stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Right, I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears. Eyes. Would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands. Roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs. Trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. When the whole world seems turned upside down, we sort through it together. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to Weekends, where we ask the biggest questions of our time in an environment that you're allowed to do so. It's not the mainstream media, it's the opposite. We are asking questions of people who have been at the front lines and are being stopped in bringing the truth to what actually happened in the real world. And if we come back to Captain Doug, Doug, 
Before the break, we were obviously talking a lot about the detail uh, of 9-11. And I just wanted to ask you, when moving forward here, what are some of the other areas that we haven't perhaps touched on in today's discussion that are very important that people need to be aware of uh, in this investigation that is ongoing? Um, perhaps it's the work that you're doing next or the strategy that you think you need to take in order to get um, this story further advanced so that we can find out the real truth of that fateful day. Well, as you know, um, the 9-11 Commission itself um, was was a farce. It was a farcical investigation. There was never any criminal investigation. There were never any expert witness, no pilots. Um, Bush at the time had delegated Henry Kissinger, of all people, to uh, run the 9-11 Commission, which was a joke. And it, and it backs up what we talked about earlier about our Zionist occupation in the United States to stifle the truth. And of course, when there was a conflict of interest um, that identified by the families of some of the victims of 9-11, then they handed the baton to another Zionist occupier, Philip Zekplow. And, uh, and then he spearheaded it and he tried to suppress most of the information and the facts that were reality. Uh, some of the information was uh, very obvious. Uh, architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, over 3,000 architects and engineers of high-rise structures, have and in and an in-depth study at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, um, they came up with an amazing report, and it, and it defied any possibility that the narrative was true. Uh, just given the temperatures of what molten steel, you know, it takes almost four thousand degrees Fahrenheit for molten steel steel to become a molten, uh, fiery lava-like flow. But the but jet fuel jet a it, you know the maximum temperature is approximately fifteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Don't quote me on these numbers precisely, but nonetheless, you know, uh, for that building to have been alleged to have collapsed as a result of the aircraft is preposterous. And then, of course, if we think back about uh, after the, this this tragic event, this uh, assault on our country. Um, and it certainly wasn't by Muslim pilots that had no ability to fly these airplanes. What it's 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 an actual insult to our intelligence as aviators, but the flying public they don't know what we know, and this is problem. And that's what I tell people: you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, um, you know, when they did the recovery project, um, they tried to hurry up and and cut up all the 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 metal that was left from the destruction of the building. And then they put it in ships and they tried to ship it off to China. Basically, they basically destroyed a crime scene to eliminate the evidence of which there's so much of it. It's just, we just don't have enough time to talk about it all. Um, but these are just a couple additional things that we can interject at this moment. Now, the collateral damage of 9-11 has had an enormous impact on the airline industry. And pilots, it created a chilling effect. And most pilots of which, there's over 300,000 pilots that are members of the unions across the country. They're afraid to speak up because it's created a chilling effect. And they try to, you know, stereotype pilots or label them as maybe having concerns for fitness for duty. And this is how they silence opposition. They target pilots' medicals. This is how they silence opposition in the United States about critical thinkers, you know, basically incarcerating people under trumped up charges in private prisons for profit. Uh, there's a lot of innocent people in jail in the United States, as you well know. Um, but Dan, um, if he's still with us, he has extensive knowledge on some additional facts that I think he would like to share. Are you still with us, Dan? Uh, it looks yeah, like we may have lost. The biggest case. thing I feel like 
Are you there? Can you hear me? We've got you loud and clear, Dan. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. One of the big things that we uncover with 9-11 pilot whistleblowers is Hani Hanjur is a smoking gun amongst the hijackers. He was a 29-year-old Saudi Arabian who came to the States in the mid-90s, took some uh, flight training, and it's well documented that he was a very poor student. So much so, he went back to Saudi Arabia and came back to the States before 9-11 and tried to re-enroll in a, a, a jet tech flight school out in Arizona, and they wouldn't take him back because they didn't want to waste assets on him. Now, American 77, if you're not familiar with the profile, is the one that hit the Pentagon, supposedly. It took off from Dulles, heading for the West Coast, got to cruise altitude for a while, then in about phase, turned back into Washington, started to descent, and at 7,000 feet commences this descending, accelerating corkscrew uh, turn to arrive precisely at the surface, just a few feet above the surface without skidding it, to strike the Office of Naval Intelligence at over 500 miles an hour. Now, this same maneuver was replicated in a simulator and flown by highly experienced pilots, and they'd crashed the simulator trying it, and yet we've been led to believe that Hani was able to do this, his poor student pilot, on his first attempt, and uh, it gets better than that. He One month prior to 9-11, he goes to the freeway airport in Maryland and wants to run a Cessna 172, a single-engine prop job. And uh, if you go to a fixed space operator and they don't know you, they have to confirm that you can fly airplanes. So they sent him up on not one evaluation flight, but three of them with two separate instructors, and they came back and said he can't handle the aircraft don't rent it to him. So what did Hanjur do? He goes down the road three days later to Congressional Air Charter and goes flying with a pilot named Eddie Shalev, who came back and said he's a good pilot. Now, who was Eddie Shalev? He was an Israeli that came to the States four months prior to 9-11, and he uh, served in the Israeli Defense Force. Uh, not that that means anything, but what appeared in the 9-11 Commission uh, final report? Only Eddie Shalev's testimony, and it appeared as but but a footnote in the final report, and nothing was mentioned about what happened at Freeway Airport, even though the FBI and uh, the uh, 9-11 Commission sent people out to interrogate all these people. They didn't even mention that he couldn't fly the airplane, which is critical. Then who, who suppressed that? Robert Mueller, the director of the FBI, and Philip Zolikow, the executive director of the 9-11 Commission. You know, when, so when, when I hear, guy, I hear a, it... It blows the holy hell out of the whole story. This is a key hijacker who performed the most difficult maneuver at all, and he couldn't fly a Cessna 172. Every time I hear a story like this, all I can think of is George Carlin saying it's a big club and you ain't in it. It just seems to be the same demo right. every single time. It is absolutely frustrating that we go through this particular scenario each and every time. Um, have you got a perspective on, if any, Osama bin Laden's real role in any of this, or was he just a CIA operative that was uh, it was his time to be up or something? Well, we know that he worked for the CIA during the Afghan-Russian war, and then the United States just abandoned uh, Afghanistan, the Civil War ensued, et cetera. But I, I went on a TV program here in Islamabad and said my opener was Osama bin Laden had nothing to do with the planning and execution of the events of 9-11, and that was the last thing 
that controversial, I was able to say on that program, everybody's afraid to talk about 9-11, but I personally believe he was, he was set up, even though they said, hey, he, he admitted he did it. He also went on Al Jazeera TV and said, I did not have anything to do with it. Muslims don't act that way, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I believe he had nothing to do with it. I believe the hijackers were just patsies. They were brought in the United States. We know they were trained. We know the either CIA or FBI helped them, two of them, to get so they were set up, they established an audit trail on all of them, sending them to these flight schools so people would believe they could fly. But Doug hit it, the nail on the head. The reason so many people fell for the official story regarding the hijackers is that they're not hijackers and they cannot conceive of the absurdity of this ludicrous notion that these unqualified pilots, they'd never flew the 757 or 767 aircraft, okay? They were unqualified and they fell for it. The, the yeah, world yeah, fell yes. for that story. Indeed, you know it's it's just it's so absurd. I mean, if you just relate it back to just everyday uh, scenarios, Richard Hammond, who was a a presenter on the TV series Top Gear, who used to race around on those um, on those runways and two hundred and fifty kilometers an hour, one hundred and sixty miles an hour in these cars, rip roaring. They put him into a Formula One car, and he couldn't drive it. And you, you think the same thing must apply right. if you put someone in a Cessna? How are they going to get into a seven five seven or something like that and fly it? It just defies logic. And this man was was extremely talented at driving, and, and driving is certainly not the same as flying. So it, it just stands to reason that these uh, these so called hijackers were completely unqualified, and it's such an obvious thing. It, it, and then you compare that to the Oswald story, and that also <laughs> seems to make the the same sort of pattern um, that that we continue to watch. Right. Um, j just moving forward, and I know we're very limited time. I, I do want to ask you a very important question in a moment, but just to, to conclude um, with with nine eleven here, do you hold out hope that if uh, a Trump administration is returned, um, or perhaps it's got um, RFK Jr. in there somewhere, and I, I keep maintaining it's going to be his Attorney General, it's just my gut telling me that this is what it's going to be, do you have any confidence that there will be a change in the narrative and that perhaps a new Department of Justice may well reopen this case once and for all, Doug? Well, in my opinion, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that uh, our Zionist occupied government wants to do is they try to establish tribalism amongst American people and believe that there's actually a two party system. The whole thing's a ruse. It's a uniparty system. You know, I call them rhinos, dinos and pinos, Republicans in name only, Democrats in name only and presidents in name only. So irregardless of what regimes in charge, whether it's this this horrific Biden administration or the Trump administration, these guys are just puppets. Mm. Now, the, the government is occupied by Zionists. We've got 2.4% of the population uh, that are occupying 90% of our government regulatory agencies and executive branch. They wield the power. I don't call it the deep state because I don't like using these quote conspiracy phrases. I call it the hitting ruling class and we know who they are. But most, most Americans don't. This is the problem. Most Americans buy into the false narratives. And, and it doesn't matter, in my opinion, what administration, what president that's elected. They're just puppets. They're not going to investigate this. I mean, every single one of them, whether Republican or Democrat, they go to Israel and they put their little beanie on and they kiss the wailing wall and they know who their master is. Every single one of them. And Dan, do you share the same sentiment? Uh, somewhat, but I, I don't want to say I have a broader 
uh, worldview than Doug, but people say to me, Bush did 9-11. I said, please spare me. And they go, well, there were people in the CIA. I go, well, they were involved in the planning and execution, but you got to go take a broader picture of who really controls world governments. And you can go to the Bilderberg, you can go to the, the uh, World Economic Forum, all, all these other higher organizations, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Committee of 300. That's who I believe is calling the shots. Even in Gaza right now, you got the Rothschild family that wields so much power in the world today that unless Trump or somebody else could take them on and expose them. I don't see any hope because there's another group out there. So we wrote all these letters. There's a group called the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. They compiled a whole group of uh, evidence packages, submitted it to a U.S. attorney in New York, fought it for a couple of years, took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And just last year, the Supreme Court refused to hear their case that could have proven that World Trade Center buildings one, two, and seven were brought down by controlled demolition. So the systems broke. In the present uh, form, it, it will never get an investigation. So I really believe if Trump could take on the uh, new world order folks, there might be a hope for an investigation, but the powers that be that called in the shot, that called the 9-11 hit, I, I believe the hit was called by those, those organizations I just mentioned, but the planning and execution was performed by the CIA, Mossad, and MI6. I but, and, and just, to, chime, just yep. to chime in on that real quick, you know, we, we don't have any Superman or hero out there. Trust me. Mm. It's not Trump. It certainly is not Biden. Uh, the problem that we're faced with is the occupation, you know, and as Dan just said, you know, um, because we don't have a superhero, keep in mind, you know, he talked, Dan just talked about the Supreme Court and the lawyers for 9-11 truth. Well, it, it was a great case. They just wanted, they, they were petitioning the Supreme Court just to have a grand jury to present mm -hmm. the facts of 9-11 to, to a panel of jurists, just like people like you and I, to present the evidence and the facts. But they wouldn't allow that. But who, but who were the Supreme Court justices on the bench? Now, they always say Trump's judges. Well, trust me, Trump's a dumbass when it comes to picking judges. He knows nothing about picking judges, and he defers to the Federal Society that's controlled by Leonard Leo and Mitch McConnell, the former Senate Majority Leader, who's still very active, and he's done more damage to the United States of America than any politician in the history of our country. So, hence, the, quote, Trump judges you know, dismiss the case and wouldn't even allow, wouldn't even entertain their petition for writ of satori to the Supreme Court to hold a grand jury uh, to submit the evidence to the actual people, we the people, of what happened on 9-11. So Trump's not going to be our hero. It's not going to be Robert F. Kennedy. It's not going to be Joe Biden. The only person that's going to be our hero is somebody that ends the occupation, the Zionist occupation that's, that's basically neutered the United States government and the american people it's uh it's a certainly a compelling argument that uh, just seems to be the the wheels on the bus keep going round and round and round and one wonders perhaps if it's the jeffrey epstein story that's going to provide enough uh friction or fracture that somehow some sort of truth gets out because it seems that it is a closed shop and no matter what happens that uh, power protects power protects power and that's why we don't seem to be getting anywhere further now i was going to ask you about this mh370 because there is details on the website but very quickly i've only got about 30 seconds 
seconds from each gentleman, but um, why haven't we got to the bottom of it? And is there a role for this Diego Garcia military base that's used by the US to be a part of this story? It's something that I hope that we can just get a quick comment, about 10 seconds each, and we'll look at that in a future show. Doug? They were electronically hijacked and remotely guided at Diego Garcia. Wow. And uh, Doug, you, you share that opinion? And I do share the opinion, and the reason I share the opinion is because I fly with a bunch of Malaysian pilots who formerly worked for Malaysian Airlines, who knew the pilots personally, and they've given me enormous details into the into the actual facts of that case. Goodness me, that is uh, potentially the biggest story of all time in aviation, uh, where a plane completely goes missing and no one knows anything about it. But again, it seems that people do have an idea that no one ever wanted to explore, that the plane was guided to Diego Garcia for reasons that we don't quite know just yet. Captain Doug Green and Captain Dan Hanley, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been a delight and a privilege to be able to speak to you, and I look forward to doing it again. We're going to take news and be back with more here on Weekends on TNT. TNT.